Welcome to Where We Belong, a podcast exploring all that Cavan Heritage has to offer. Today, we spend some time with Brona Lanigan, who works with the Cavan Historic Graveyard Network. Brona shared with us the work that's been carried out across the county to preserve these places of invaluable historic significance. So, sit back, relax, and spend some quality time with Cavan and its people. Cavan's Historic Graveyard Network uh, was established in 2017 uh, by Amory Ward, the Heritage Officer here in County Cavan, and it's supported by the Heritage Council. And we set it up because we saw a need to kind of um, bring groups of community groups who are working independently together so that they can kind of share information and their expertise and their experience of looking after their local historic graves. We identified 46 different historic graveyards. Most of them are shut now, close to burials. Some of them are very well looked after and maintained by local community groups and committees. Others are quite overlooked and neglected. The historic graveyards in Cavan are the last resting places of our ancestors. They're really important to local communities and they're often a really important record of um, family history in our local communities. So they're worth preserving for that reason. Um, also, they're um, little pockets of uncultivated land. So they're very important for biodiversity. Um, and I also think that when you go to visit these um, historic graveyards, that there's a wonderful sense of peace and serenity and spirituality. And I think even if people aren't interested in graveyards or local history or family history, uh, if you're looking for somewhere that gives you any kind of peace or inspiration, if you're a creative person, I think our local historic graveyards can offer all of that. So since uh, the Historic Graveyard Network was established in 2017, we've tried to work to support local groups who are working in their graveyards. We organised a seminar back in 2018 and we invited to speak um, archaeologist Pauline Gleeson from the National Monument section. Um, also John Tierney from Octra Archaeology, Heather Bothwell who's a local ecologist and also Gary Dempsey who uh, is from Digital Heritage Age. And we tried to do quite a bit of work back in 2020 but COVID-19 has kind of taken the wind out of our sails but we did manage to digitalise 18 historic um, burial records. So these are burial registers that were located in the archives of the Cavan Library and they were hidden away from people. You had to go in and request them if you wanted to look at them. But now we've managed to digitalise those and they're up online now through the Heritage Officer in Cavan County Council. Um, and that work was also supported by the Heritage Council. So anybody who's researching their family history or their local community history, I think would be very interested in accessing the burial registers of those um, historic graves. We visited Rath Church in Kilishandra to find out more about some of the work Brona mentioned. Kilishandra locals Karen Sweeney and Anne Shanley gave us a tour. So we're in Kilishandra today. We're at the Church of the Old Rath. And in medieval times, long before there was ever a town here, there was a, a Rath or a ring fort. 
and that's where Kilachandra gets his name from, um, Church of the Old Fort. So let's go on in. We open this gate. This is an old gate. Um, the piers are of Jacobean style. Um, they date back to 1688. The architecture from the Jacobean period was around the time of James I of England. And um, this is sort of from the later end of that. It's sort of the second phase of the Renaissance period in England. So they're quite unique in Ireland, these piers, uh, and an important part of the site that we have here in Kilachandra. So they're probably um, about 25 foot tall. They're quite, uh, they're square um, in appearance, square stone. Uh, at the top, there's a, an, uh, an ornate uh, vase in stone with scrolls and tassels carved into it. Um, so quite a, quite a dramatic entrance to, uh, to a site for, for a church. Well, the style of the architecture, the, actu the, the, the scrolls, the tassels, the carvings on the stone would be Jacobean, would be from that period, would be associated. And carvings around the windows as well on the church would also have that sort of uh, second Renaissance feel to them um, and around the font inside in the church building. So it's overlooking the town lake and it is a circular site. Um, and there would probably have been a number of families living here at the time um, with their livestock and uh, they would have had a, a little community here. Um, th this would have been long before there was any town or, or anything like that and uh, that would have changed then when the Augustinian monks who already had a base in Drum Lane, which is near Bilturbet, uh, came here and built the very first church here in 1350. Um, that church would have been, you know, like lots of churches in Ireland at the time, a stone church with small windows and surrounded by a graveyard. And the, the lake was important because they chose a similar site in Drum Lane, but they used the waterways as a network. There were no roads in medieval times, so they were able to travel from site to site via the water in their boats. Well, this is the entry. Uh, the graves are on either side, the burial grounds. They're very unique. Uh, we have uh, recorded them recently and they're on the national the historicgraves.com um, and this is as you can see here the original ring fort or the rath where um, where people lived uh, many years ago way back in the 13th century okay so as you walk towards the church there is a small doorway um, with a, a rounded arched window above it um, shades of the, the medieval architecture. So this church would have been originally built in uh, 1688 and you can see the sort of uh, transition from the, the medieval architecture with the nice rounded arches and then other windows as the church was renovated over the years have the more gothic feel with the, the, ar the pointed arches. This one's a rounded arch. There's, there's carving around the doorway itself. It's fairly limited, but um, some, some ornate carving. And then immediately to the top right of that, there's a, a, a coat of arms set in stone into the wall, and that's the Hamilton coat of arms. So the Hamilton family were the settler family here in Kilachandra during the plantation. Um, and um, they would have taken over the church when they settled the, in Kilachandra and uh, it became used by the Protestant settlers. So the Hamilton family's uh, fingerprint is, is, is all over this church as, as we see it today. Well, I think the age is, is uh, something that would impress me and the fact that it's still standing. And I think um, that is um, tribute to the community of Kilishandra and the fact that uh, they have worked down the years on this church to um, do some restoration or conservation work on it. And 
originally, uh, when they started work in the 1990s to restore it, there was trees growing up through it. The windows were broken in bits. That urn was found that's on top of the apex there, was found somewhere in the grass. Um, the windows they picked in bits out of the grass and put them all back together again. So. I think the fact that Kilishandra community took an interest in the church and that they wanted to um, retain it and have it as a historical building. It is, after all, where Kilishandra got its name, where Kilishandra town started. There was no town when the first church was built here. Primarily, as a child, myself and my brothers used to drive by this site every day, going to and from school, and all we could see were the tops of the pillars and greenery, because everything was overgrown. We couldn't see this building, there was trees, there was ivy, literally all you could see was the pillars. So we, we were never even in, in this site, we never had access to it. So I love the fact that now we can come in here, we can talk to people about it, we can tell people the story, we can read the headstones, you know, it's just, it's brought the place to life. And for, like I say, for years as a child, we all wondered what was behind those two pillars, you know, was there anything at all? But they always, they looked so dramatic, we always thought there must be something happened in there. And now, now we have a better idea. And we're learning all the time, so I love that. It's sort of a living, breathing monument for the town. Okay, as we come into the church then, you can get an idea of the age of the building as we step down the stone steps just inside the door. They're worn away, away after years and years of footfall. Uh, as we come into the body of the church then, and we have open sky above us, <laughs> you can see where there are the Martin Mausoleum is on the right-hand side. The family, Martin family have a mausoleum here. It's in good repair. On the left-hand side of us then, the Hamilton family, the Settler family, their mausoleum, quite a large one, is here. It needs some repair work, so that is a work in progress. Certainly, the Hamilton um, mausoleum would be older. Um, and like the Hamiltons arrived, like I say, the Hamilton family came here in um, 1600s uh, with the plantation of Ulster. and. You can probably hear the water dripping down off the roof. So we, we did a lot of conservation work on the roof uh, in 2018, 2019. Um, it was exposed and was deteriorating due to the weather and wear and tear and the years of, of Irish weather and lots of rain. Um, so as you can see, we have a steel canopy over the double barrel vaults now to protect them. So when the work was complete and we had the first rainfalls in Kilishandra, which come regularly, we, had, um, we noticed that the water was actually dripping down along the wall. So um, our architect, Kevin Blackwood, decided that we had to do something to uh, stop the rain. So they actually put a little extension out there like a stone so that the, it brings the water away from the roof because they didn't want to put gutter rains on the actual building because then where do you put the water? So it's just that the water comes naturally and absorbs into the ground, but they just wanted to protect that wall so they put that little extension on it. What's nice about coming in here, I suppose firstly is the sense of achievement that we have saved this building. Uh, it has been a work down through the years starting in the 1990s with the Kilishandra Community Council and then um, tidy towns at a later stage and I just that sense of achievement it's here I feel that um, it will be in the future a, a huge tourism attraction for for this location and I think we need to publicize the fact that it's here 
and that people can visit and that the gates and the door is open and that they can come in. So we get a mix of visitors here at the moment. Um, we'd like to have some more um, as, as, as we publicise the site more and get the story out there. Uh, we hope the visitor numbers will increase. Uh, we recently updated the uh, historicgraves.com website with the details that we have on the graves that are here. Uh, people will come in because it's, it's, a, it's a pretty site. When the sun is shining, it's a pretty site. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Not so pretty today. Um, and, you know, the, the peace and quiet in here attracts people as well. It's a social centre for us too. We've had a couple of events here where we've had the local Kyoto's musicians in. We've had people dressed up in medieval garb, reenacting what farming and living and dying would have been like in the medieval times. Um, so we get a cross-section of, uh, of visitors and people who, who use the site, but we, we're looking forward to increasing that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you get a clue from a story that's told in the town or a visitor who comes along and says just something by the way and suddenly you have another path to go down and investigate or something else to check out and it's, it's like a, a never-ending you know mystery to be solved you know which is great because it's, it's all learning it's all part of the learning process. So we're outside now in the graveyard that surrounds the old church and um, there are 114 marked graves here. When I say marked, it may just be a stone, a simple stone marker with no inscription, but we have identified 114 burial places. We know there are many more, but we have work ongoing to try and identify the unmarked graves as well. But we have logged the 114 that we know of on the historicgraves.com website. So the, the earliest graves that we know of here marked date to 1696. Um, there isn't an awful lot of information on some of them. Like I say, it may just be a date. Uh, one of the earliest gravestones that we have that does have information on them relates to the Vich family, James and his wife Annette. Annette was buried here in 1702. Um, there's quite a bit of the old um, etchings on that gravestone, the, um, the scary sort of carvings that you see on gravestones of the period, mm. the, the skull and the, 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 the bones and uh, nothing, nothing too angelic or uh, heavenly about it, but uh, reminding everybody exactly what was going on underneath um, the gravestone. Um, but for the times and the tools that they would have had, these uh, carvings are uh, expertly executed um, and there are a few gravestones like that. You can see the remains of those types of uh, etchings on them um, around, around the site here. Mm. And then you have some very simple ones that look as though, you know, the names were put on by hand by somebody, a family member possibly. Um, we have other ones that are just marked, like I say, by simple stones with no etchings at all, some by crosses, um, one or two Celtic style crosses, not too many of those, um, mostly um, ledger slabs. And then we have some tombstones where we have the, the boxy type tombstone and again, maybe just a family name or in other cases, a little bit more detail around each individual who's interred there. Um, there's a huge variety of gravestones here and lots of stories, very young people, very old people, even in the early 1800s, people living to be 104. Um, we also have, uh, you know, a young soldier here, 21 years of age, Cecil North was his name, died in the First World War in June 1918. Um, so lots of stories, lots of family stories to uh, be unearthed um, when you read some of the, the markers. 
For me personally, I find the stories of the young people who have been buried here particularly touching, um, especially when there are people you've never heard of or there are no longer family names that are associated with the areas, so you, you don't even know their descendants. Um, the soldier from the First World War, you know, 21 years of age, all those lives that, you know, might have been and might have contributed to Kilachandra and might have, you know, had families of their own and, you know, had descendants now living in the town if they'd stayed around. I find those stories sad. Um, I, I find it interesting, I suppose, to learn a little bit more about the family names that I do recognise um, and the people who I hadn't heard of maybe from those families and what became of them and where did they end up. But yeah, it's a mix. It's a mix between the, the sadness for the, for the particularly young people who are buried here and the interest in the stories of the people I, I want to find out a bit more about. So, you know, I'm, I'm standing here today in 2021 and I'm reading gravestones and what they mean to me and what they tell me about people who are here will be different to what, you know, the next generation will take out of this or might find out or have access to with regards to records and so on. Like we're trying to locate the burial register for this site. Um, we don't have it yet, but we're, we're doing a bit of research on that. So who knows what people are going to find out in the future that will add to the story of this place. And I suppose the other thing about this site is that we try to manage it as um, a biodiversity friendly site, which is why you can notice long grass and uncut areas in it. And um, the rural social scheme um, work here with us and they cut the grass in, in sections. So they might do this section here at the back of the church this week and then they wouldn't cut it again, maybe for six or eight weeks. And likewise, they'd take each section and cut it so that biodiversity can flourish. I think it's really important that we carry our heritage with us and continue to preserve it for, for a number of reasons. Um, per, primarily, we learn about the past and it's, you know, it's always good to learn about the past. Um, to learn a little bit about ourselves, where we come from, you know, where our town comes from. Um, it also helps us plan for the future. Um, with regards to sites like this, uh, how best to conserve them and preserve them for future generations. Um, and I think just in general, it enriches community life because it's something, it's an opportunity for the community to come together, communicate, work on projects together, learn from each other. And it's, it's a human interaction that's been going on for generations and needs to continue to go on for generations. What I feel when I'm in here is almost like a another world presence from, so we're quite central to the village here of Kilachandra, but when you're in here, you're in a different world. You know, the rest of what's going on out there doesn't exist anymore. I like the fact that, you know, in medieval times, you know, monks rowed their boat to the shore just, just across the field from us here and, uh, you know, built a church. And then, you know, years later, that church was taken over by the planters when they arrived and had a different existence. And, then it was used by both denominations here in the town for their burials over the years. And it was used right up until 1998, I think, was the last burial here. So it, it has a real span of connection from those medieval times to modern times. And I just, I just like that little bit of, uh, I suppose, history encapsulated, you know, here. And that little bit of uh, something special in the middle of our town, you know. Mm. 
What we'd really like to do next is kind of get out into the graveyards where there aren't such well-established committees and groups and really try to motivate local people um, to kind of look after these graveyards and to help maintain them. In 2020, um, Cavan's Historic Graveyard Network um, was a little bit restricted in the work that they could do with community groups. Usually we, we try to meet twice a year to discuss all of the issues that the community groups are facing, but we couldn't do that last year. But what we did try to do was promote the graveyards as places to visit. And we um, promoted them as interesting places to visit within your 5K. Um, this year, again, we're a little bit restricted in our work, but we're hoping to, we're supporting Castle Rahan um, group there. There's a church that needs urgent work and we're supporting them with a grant application to a new fund called the Community Monuments Fund. We're hoping they're going to get funding um, and we hope later in the year to be able to engage with all of the groups um, uh, face to face. That would be really nice if we could do that. This has been a Cavan Heritage Podcast. Thank you to everyone who gave their time to bring this piece to life. If you've enjoyed this episode of Where We Belong, please make sure to like and share. You can subscribe to this podcast to keep up to date with all new episodes. Until next time, Sloan Gafoe.